When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Forever. Dog. Welcome to Relatively Healthy. I'm Janie Stoller. And today on the show, we are exploring not only breast cancer and the reality of when you're diagnosed, but what happens specifically when you're very young when you're diagnosed and how you can make decisions on reconstruction that are true for you and not for everyone. Our guest today is Nikki Black, who is a comedian. And the way we got in touch is that I was looking straight up on social media for people who have interesting health stories. And she reached out and I looked her up and she's exactly the type of person who I'm excited to have on a platform such as this podcast. I thought that Nikki's story was so unique because you hear a lot about breast cancer and survivors and people who are diagnosed and how they handle it. But being 23 and experiencing it is really different. So I really hope you enjoy it and let us know what you think. So your your story stands out to me because you, well, I'll let you tell it, but you are a young person who's been through quite a health journey. And I think there's a lot to be learned from what you went through and and how you approached it. So let's super vaguely start out. What would you describe as like the beginning of your health story? Um, beginning of my health story, super vague. Okay, right. <laughs> and then we'll work into it. And then it. we'll work into it. Yeah. Um, when I was 23, I had a lump in my breast that was like the size of a golf ball, literally. Um, and it seemed to appear out of nowhere. Like I didn't notice it until just, it was that big. Did you feel big. it one day? In yeah, when the I was showering. Yeah. yeah, and I wasn't doing like a breast check. Like it was just big enough that I felt it. Um, and then I let it go for like a month because I was like. There's no way that's cancer. <laughs> like I'm right, 23, you're 23. No family history of cancer. So, um, but then even when I went into my doctor, she was like, "There's no way it's cancer, but we'll just do a mammogram." And then the mammogram looked weird, and then they did a biopsy, and then it was cancer. Wow. Uh, which is something that they just tell you over the phone. <laughs> oh, really? So yeah. you so you waited a month, and in the back of your mind, I mean, you're you're 23. You're right. like not thinking this is anything. And then what right. compelled you to finally go? Just like it wasn't going away. Um, it wasn't going away. Uh, I had some nipple discharge. Mm. Uh, my dog was really focused on it, which is weird, but oh, dogs weird. can smell stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I've heard that. They can smell sickness. They can smell, yeah. yeah like, so he was like really weird with it. Oh, so I was wow. like, 
It was a combination of things. Got it. Okay. And so I can't believe they told you the results over the phone. Yeah. It's so funny in the movies. It's always some like big dramatic scene where they reveal it to you. Maybe some people do it in office, but I literally got a call from a nurse over the phone and I, yeah, I was home and my brother who's like uh, two and a half years younger than me was the only other person that was home. My mom was at work. So it was like a lot. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And what were you doing at the time, like career wise? And where were you in life? Uh, I was waitressing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had kind of just started doing comedy in Philadelphia. Um, I had <laughs> just signed a lease on an apartment in Philly um, like a few weeks before that. So that was not great. Um yeah, I was just kind of like being a 23-year-old, yeah, know, trying to yeah. figure things out. And then all of a sudden, this is just on your plate, and it's not yeah. something you ever expected would happen. Yeah, no, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And so what did they tell you, like, in terms of next steps and what to do? Um, this has happened to at least one other person that I know, where leading up to the surgery, they were like, oh, you probably won't have to do chemo. And then mm-hmm. as soon as they did the surgery, they were like, you definitely have to do chemo. Um, But I had the choice of just getting like one boob removed, but Mm -hmm. I got a double mastectomy because I just didn't want to have to worry about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also opted for breast reconstruction. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I woke up from the surgery, I already had these things in my chest called expanders, which is like after... Um, they do the double mastectomy, they put the expanders in, and then you kind of go to the doctor every week, every couple of weeks, and they inject fluid into them, and it slowly expands your skin Mm -hmm. out. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when I found out I had to do chemo, it delayed uh, the point at which I could get my reconstruction because it's not going to have, like, major surgery done when your immune system is down. Yeah, yeah. So were you, like, down – I mean, were you unable – Like, what was the timeline in terms of treatment and stuff like that? Like, you were diagnosed, and then it was immediate mastectomy? No. No. um, I was diagnosed, like, mid-June, and then I had to wait until the very end of July to get a mastectomy. I can't imagine that. That must have been (laughs) such a hard time. Yeah, it was really weird. Um, And that was sort of, like, the earliest that I could get it, and I was really lucky that I could get one that early. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so sometimes there is a bit of a waiting process, which is really excruciating. That must be. I can't even imagine because in your, I mean, I like freak out about everything, but the idea of just like it's spreading or what else is happening in this time period, it's just crazy. It's like, like when you hear like that somebody, you know, like has like a worm burrow into their ear or something and you're like. Oh like, my God, I you need like to like rip it out. Yeah, yeah. Just rip it out, get it out. And I'm sure you. it's interesting when you're 23 and going through this. I mean, your friends are in such different places. Right. Like you must they have, have yeah. no idea how to react. Guys get really weird really quick. You have like, like <laughs> some guys trying to do this thing where they want to hook up with you before your mastectomy to be like the last one to touch your real boot. No. You know? Yeah. Wait, is, um, this, is this blatantly stated? This is, Yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to be the last one to touch your boobs. Yeah, like stuff like that. Which How is... do we murder him <laughs> and anyone like him? That's insane. You get a lot of questions about like, like I remember one guy was like, are you going to get the same size? I've always been a D cup. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, I, I am trying to maintain a sense of like normalcy and the way that I look right now. 
Um, and he was like, I mean, like, good choice. Like, you get like a lot of really gross Holy shit. Yeah, I feel like because it's breast cancer, it's like they fixate on the breast part right. of it. Yeah, and it's like, well, it's still about boobs. So yeah, I'm talk about her boobs. Still. It's, a, it's like you can't turn it off. Oh my God. <laughs> it's a very sexualized disease, which is yeah. so weird. I know there's so many campaigns that are about like sexy breast mm-hmm. cancer treatment and all that. It's just like, oh my God, I can't. Um, it's even like. Like, I had all my treatment done at UPenn, Mm -hmm. um, and I have a lot of issues with uh, the medical system. But one of the things is, like, after... It's almost like, you know how, like, your school, like, your college will send you emails all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I get emails all the time from the hospital that are like, come to uh, breast reconstruction awareness night, and in parentheses, Mm. bra. And it's like, why? (laughs) Why are you doing this? I hate it so much. It's so... I mean, to me, it seems like it could be demeaning and like infantilizing in also, a way. Also like I haven't worn a bra in five years. Right. <laughs> Why are we calling the reconstruction event bra? bra? Yeah. Yeah. That's I, crazy. Yeah. Um so so some guys were total creeps. You had friends though that I'm sure were supportive and yeah. Yeah. Yeah I had friends that were supportive. That's, friends always uh also I had one friend that was like like anytime somebody would talk to me about it, she'd be like, "Yeah, I have this really weird thing on my skin that I have to get checked out." No, so, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah, I'm not close with that many people from that period in my life anymore. It was like a big test of who was your real friend. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like also at 23, there's a lot of people you keep around and they're sort of acquaintances and you party and it's yeah. like fun and then you something real happens and it's like, oh, now I'm seeing. Who's actually my friend. Right. I had been seeing a guy at the time and he was like, I can't see you anymore because I know that I'm going to have to like end up taking care of you a little bit and you're not going to be able to do that for me. So there's going to be like this imbalance. And this was like, like I dated him like all through like senior year of college and then we were kind of off and on. So it wasn't like totally out of the blue that he was like, no, but that's crazy though. That's so traumatic that it's like, this is the moment when someone's supposed to step up and this guy's like, I can't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. Wow. That's really crazy. It really shocks me. Like I always want to think people are good. And then I hear stories (laughs) like this. I'm like, I think they're inherently evil. Well, also I feel like 20 early twenties, you're inherently kind of selfish and you should be because it's like that time in your life where you can be right but yeah in terms of supporting a friend i feel like people either didn't know how to do it or were just actively bad (laughs) that's crazy so then you had you had this you had the mastectomy Mm -hmm. and then they told you you'll also need chemo after that yeah and then how long was the chemo how many like how so chemo was um one session every four weeks Mm -hmm. for or every three weeks sorry for a year Mm. and i had like four rounds of very heavy chemo like which is like the hair loss and everything and then because my breast cancer was um hair too positive it's like estrogen receptive Mm -hmm. i had to do like um chemo light (laughs) kind of that was still shitty but like i could work while i was getting it done and stuff um to like lower that the estrogen levels. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And so in that time too, were you doing comedy and you were still like actively out yeah, there? Yeah, I was like really dumb. Like I like <laughs> the day because when you get a mastectomy, a lot of people don't realize like they put tubes in your chest and you have mm-hmm. to drain fluids out of your chest for literally like two weeks. Oh really? Yeah. And like they they have pumps and you pump oh. it out and there's all these like chunks of like weird stuff in oh, it. Oh god. Yeah, it's really gross. Wow. Um, but like literally 
right after I got my um, tubes taken out. <laughs> um, I did a comedy competition, which was like so stupid, <laughs> like just so dumb. I don't know why I was so determined. I guess I just wanted to be like, I can do this. Right. But I think I really exhausted myself. I did a comedy festival in New York while I was going through like the heavy chemo and I was like literally sleeping on my friend's couch and like <laughs> one time he like tried to make me breakfast but he was bad at it and he cooked like eggs in a pot because he didn't have a like a oh, frying wow. pan yeah and they're like really gross and undercooked and I remember <laughs> thinking like I'm gonna die eating these eggs out of politeness <laughs> because like my immune system right. is down right now despite everything <laughs> This is how it'll. This is how I'll go. Is these nasty eggs and a I pot can't that I can't down because, because my good friend, I'm a kind person. Were you? Did you like in that show and the stuff you did then? Were you talking about the cancer on stage? Yeah, my entire set was about cancer, and yeah. then other like. Female comedians would say stuff like, um, "Your set is so good. It makes me wish I had cancer." The stuff you're telling me is so. <laughs> unbelievably upsetting <laughs> yeah, wow it's really mind-blowing i mean it, it, it's a lot of it is people trying to be funny to right. like cut the tension but it's also like if i don't know you that well like no and it's like cutting the tension for them they're uncomfortable right. and it's like i'll make a joke what about you you know right. like it's the uh but it was like when my friends made jokes like it was fine right you know what i mean but like these are people you don't know that no, well yeah yeah so then you did chemo and you they did they tell you then like at a certain point you're done and you're good and it's so weird um they're never like you're good uh <laughs> i was doing aftercare which is like um you take i'm trying to remember what the medication is called i think it's herceptin or something but they um it's this medication that essentially puts you in period stoppage which is mm -hmm. Basically the same thing as being in menopause. Like I was having hot flashes and night sweats and my hormones were out of control. And I like was in uterine pain all the time. And it just made me really crazy. So I had to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I tried doing it in injection form when I moved out here. And it's still, I could not handle it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's this weird thing where like people think that once you're done the chemo, like you're done. But I have to see an oncologist every like three to six months still. Yeah. I found out I have a really rare genetic mutation, so I have, like, a doctor for that. I <laughs> Oh, interesting, really. Yeah. Oh, they don't, wow. they, it's so rare that they don't know for sure that it's linked to breast cancer, oh, but wow. it's, like, the one next to it definitely is. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, all this stuff is just, it's ongoing. Like, there's no sort of firm thing of, like, all right, you're good. The no, treatment, yeah. the care, the constantly having to be vigilant, that's forever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And then with the reconstruction, which we touched on briefly, so you decided to get your full, the cup you had and mm -hmm. go back to that. Yeah. But you, I want to hear a little bit about the process of deciding to get tattoos because they're yeah. really beautiful. I saw oh, photos online. So they're really unbelievably beautiful. So what was the thought process there? Um, I... <laughs> it's funny the whole time they were like you know you can get you can get fake nipples but like you can get like skin like put on to look like nipples the thing is I don't really have feeling in my chest anymore so I put fake nipples on they're not going to do anything for me right um and obviously I respect people's decisions like sometimes that's just what people want to do but for me I was like why would I ever do that again <laughs> they're not like particularly attractive to begin with um so I knew that I wanted to get tattoos I waited a few years 
um, after my reconstruction to get them just because I had never gotten tattoos before and I was a little nervous about the process and I was a little nervous about like the emotional ramifications of covering up something that had happened and like what if I chose the wrong thing and Mm -hmm. then I also associated that with the process Uh, but I worked with this woman um, out here and she is a paramedical tattoo artist which means that she is experienced in covering up scars so uh, fascinating I didn't realize that was a particular specialty particularly like for breast cancer she does a lot of breast cancer work but I believe she's also done work on like domestic abuse survivors Um, wow so there is like uh, yeah there's this whole market that people don't even know about Um, there's an organization called pink uh, which is like p.inc that helps uh, set women up with different tattoo artists because there are ones that are like more specialized in it than others. Interesting. Oh, I didn't know that. That makes so much sense. That's so cool that that's something someone can use that skill to help people with that. And then going into like with the design and all that, did you have, you knew what you wanted them to look like? And Um, No, she really worked with me on like putting a design together. I just kind of showed her, she gave me a big book and she was like, point to like styles that you like. That's really cool. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm a Pisces, and I was like, I kind of want that incorporated. So I got the fish in there, and then I knew some specific flowers that I wanted to put in there. Mm -hmm. Um, So she she really worked all of those elements in. That's awesome. Yeah. So how does it feel now, like, when you look in the mirror and you look at your breasts? Uh, It's different every day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sometimes Mm -hmm. I really uh, still hate it, you know what I mean? Because it's just not what it was at one point, and it is an indicator of a period in my life that I didn't like. Um, And sometimes I really love them. I really love what I've done. I love what the tattoos represent to me. And it's never the tattoos. It's just like the fake breasts themselves. Like I love the tattoos. I think they're beautiful all the time. But sometimes just like there's this weird thing where when you're going through uh, breast cancer as a young woman, the doctors will repeatedly be like, you're going to have beautiful boobs forever after this. <laughs> because you can, And it really, they hold it up like a carrot on a stick kind of thing. And I have kind of this like, um, I would say like inner tension where I'm like, did I make this choice on my own grounds or did I make it because everyone was telling me this would make me feel better mm. kind of a thing. And I'm still not sure if I figured that part out. (laughs) Interesting. That is such a, you're touching on something about the medical system that I think rings really true that like they will come in and tell you this sort of, well, this is what it is for everybody. This is how everybody feels. Yeah. But if you took yourself out of that, would you make the same decision if you were just making decisions on your own? On your own. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you're overwhelmed by decisions and all the consequences of everything you're doing at the time. You can't sit and actually contemplate really what you want right it's just so much information coming at you and like I mean because so I had my um I was diagnosed in June had my surgery at the end of July and then I when you wake up from the surgery you already have the chest expanders in so it's like I made that decision within a month and a half Mm. which is kind of a a quick turnaround yeah (laughs) on something like that especially when you're dealing with the shock of what is happening still totally that makes so much sense so then I guess with like the what we were talking about too, with the awareness campaigns and the way breast cancer awareness is marketed, I mean, have you found have you found a community of people who've had breast cancer who you 
you're, you feel part of? Do you feel? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's uh, women that I've met online. I've met mm-hmm. a lot of women online. Um, one of them is uh, this woman, Dana, who runs uh, an organization called Anna Ono Intimates. And she makes bras that are specifically designed for women undergoing or who have undergone reconstruction. And she does like robes uh, where you can put those pumps in basically and they oh, hold it for you because I had mine on like a lanyard <laughs> you know what I mean wow. because otherwise they'll just weigh on you yeah um but women like that I think who have really taken the experience and turned it into something that gives back in that community because there is an understanding of what women in that community need that I think only comes with having gone through the process totally yeah no one would be thinking of that like if you look at these big flashy campaigns they're right. just about you know getting dollars but this is about actually serving people who right are going i always it. say that like if you think of a breast cancer campaign like you think of like a bunch of white women like giggling and like going on a cancer walk and like right. i've never done a cancer walk because i don't even think i could raise the money to participate in one right and i so my my mom had breast cancer and something that really bothered me about that was First of all, like if a bit, there's a big organization, you have no control of where your actual dollar is going and how much right. is funneled back into advertising and salaries. And you, you just it's hard to know if you're like actually putting it to use. But like people like what you're talking about with the organizations you've mentioned, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that I could see. Right. Or like wigs for people who don't who can't afford I had, them, stuff um, like that. A hairdresser in New Jersey who I had seen like since high school and he happens to run a wig foundation and he gets these really nice lace front wigs and he gives them totally free. Yeah. Um, and that's a great thing because it's it wigs can be really expensive and especially ones that look realistic can be mm-hmm. really expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So things like that I think are really good. Yeah. Um, what you're saying about the organizations, I mean, everybody knows, <laughs> maybe not everybody knows, but the controversy around like uh, the Susan G. Komen Foundation, um, which is everything from like they put out their own perfume that contained carcinogens. Um, you know, they are in all these deals. There's a lot of money flowing and mm-hmm. only as like you said, a certain percentage of that actually goes into research. Right, right. And also this focus on awareness instead of giving it to research, I think is counterproductive. That's a really good point. I think there's so many innovations. I was just reading an article today that a lot of women who undergo chemotherapy, there's alternative treatments that are being developed. Right. There's a way to just make sure the money goes to that instead right. of the awareness campaigns. <laughs> right. Because I mean, especially maybe I'm naive, but I think at this point, people are pretty aware of breast cancer. Right. Well, I think they're more aware of it than probably any other type yeah. of cancer, yeah. um, which it's just I feel like we can be done with that part of it. And right? it's stuff for like, you know, like you see the NFL taking part in it when like, I don't know, maybe put money towards your cheerleaders because <laughs> right. you pay them nothing. Yeah, like maybe like respect women across the board and yes. then it'll feel like it means something. It's or this, there was like a hydro fracking company that had like the pink. I'm rolling my like, eyes. Drills. I mean, that's <laughs> the thing too. Like the putting a pink ribbon on something, you can, it could just be awareness. You're not committing to any sort of donation. You could, or it could be 1% of sales go and it's manipulating people because I think when someone a good person looks at two products and one has a pink ribbon they'll buy Mm -hmm. the one with the pink ribbon right but there's no transparency in like what that does and a lot of times it is something with a carcinogen or it's something that isn't necessarily good for women in the the day 
it's, like yeah. alcohol. They've done a bunch of <laughs> so alcohol crazy. companies have done it. There was a Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> campaign that was a Susan G. Komen thing. Oh um, my god! Yeah, they're just making this. I just feel like they're not making the right decisions at the top <laughs> of like sure any just put it everywhere. Yeah, on chicken. I remember one time walking into a grocery store because I started chemo in October, which is breast oh, cancer breast awareness. awareness. Yeah, yeah, so it was everywhere. Which first of all is like super triggering all the time to not be able to escape it like going to the grocery store and I remember seeing a big bin of onions for the cure and I was like what the fuck you're just putting signs on things like what are you talking about let me buy an onion I want to also live a life where I can just make a taco why am I doing this right now right that's crazy and then are there specific communities you found for people who were diagnosed and treated young because I feel like that's also a separate sort of thing like I feel like that is a different experience that is unique of, compared to like the way breast cancer is represented and the way people are told to even be aware of it, that like you shouldn't start getting mammograms till you're 40 and you know, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I haven't been involved with any organizations for young people, but I have met just a lot of young women um, just by putting things out on the internet, basically. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so I, I feel like I have my own little community of people that I talk to and that have a lot of the same feelings of, as I do about um, like pink washing, which is what all of the breast cancer awareness stuff is uh, commonly referred to as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you, I mean, and now do you, you put this in your comedy? Do you put your... Is it still part of your comedy? Not as much. I'm trying to incorporate it back in. I stopped for a while because, again, comedians would say things like, oh, I'm so glad you're not only doing cancer material anymore because it seems like a crutch. Like, I, it's like, <laughs> I'm so, I feel it's like a really weird mindset. <laughs> you're getting exposed to just such, it's like, oh, my God. And then you also mentioned, we talked a little bit about dating. yeah. And now you're getting like creepy guys being jerks, right? Like that's right. part of it. Well, oh, it'd be like geez. this guy that I like had gone on a couple dates with was like, I wanted to be part of your body acceptance journey. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like any journey God. is mine. Like body accept. That's you putting on me that I don't accept my body. Right. Like. And like, do you want, what do you want? Like, do you want like an award? Like, what yeah. is this? This sort of like, it feels like you think you're a hero or something. Right. Or um, I had written this on your post online. Yeah. I, I, I had like, <laughs> like guys would like kiss my scars and be like, you're so strong. I'm and I'd be like, up. you're ruining this for me. You're right. ruining this for me. It's like this weird savior complex and it's it doesn't sit well. Right. No, absolutely not. Because you're not. First of all, you're not a victim. They don't need to save you. Why, right. like, what is that? But also those, the what you've chosen to do with your body is like an empowering decision that you've made for yourself, not for men to comment on and approve of. Like it just right. feels like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like why do you have anything to say to yeah. me about this? Like, yeah. I don't right. know. Right. <laughs> I don't understand that. I really don't. I hope that there are people out there who <laughs> Or like oh, one time I was just making out with a guy in the bar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like mm-hmm. making out with a guy in a bar. And uh, he was like starting to get handsy. And I was like, just so you know, I don't have any nipples, which is kind of like a disclaimer that you now have to give to people. So they're not like, 
weirded or taken aback, right, you know what I right. mean? And he was like, I feel so close to you that you just <gasps> admitted that to me. And I was like, no, oh. this is like business. Like, we're in a bar right now. Oh. <laughs> I'm not like trying to open up to you. I'm trying to give you fair warning. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. I needed a second to process that. <laughs> this is just trash on trash on trash. Oh, my God. Well, because oh. also, like, it's also, you have to do so much work with all these people. And then the responses are just, like, re- uh, right. I'm overwhelmed right now. I'm just hearing <laughs> about it. I, um, when I was going through the chest expansion, I, just horror story after horror story. Oh I'm sorry. God, please. I, um, I, they expanded one part a little too quickly or, like, too much one time. And I ended up with a boil on my chest that was, like, it's very... Uh, left of center where a nipple would be so Mm -hmm. a lot of times if I was wearing a low-cut shirt or a dress it would be out and before that I had the tattoos it just looked like a pink circle so like women would pass me on the street and be like your nipple (laughs) and I'd be like I haven't had nipples since the cancer took them right 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 but one time there was this guy in a bar who was like talking to me and I felt like he was being really weird and then he was like just so you know your nipple's been out the entire time and I was like just so you know I don't have any nipples because I had breast cancer and the guy next to him was like oh shit (laughs) I like a shit guy. A <laughs> shit guy's the one with the soul. Yeah. Oh my god! Are you? Do you date? Um, like have you had long term dating yeah. since the since the treatment? And everything? Yeah, my current boyfriend and I have been together for over two and a half years okay. now, which is the longest relationship I've ever been in. Yeah. And he's really great. Um, yeah, because he really had to. It's a big adjustment, I think, for anybody to deal with somebody. You know, you're. Um, like 26 year old girlfriend that feels like she's in menopause all the time but he would buy me like ice packs for a night and stuff you know what I mean like he was really good about being supportive in a practical way right as opposed to this weird savior complex kind of way just saying something like I don't even know you that well and I'm saying I approve of you right versus yeah. the actual like what do you need and how can I actually support you right and I'm sure friends are like that too yeah absolutely yeah. that's yeah. just I like truly hearing the stories about the shit people say is beyond. I just, who are these people? How do we not raise them this way? It's I mean, just part of it decency. was I was in Philadelphia, full disclosure. Oh, you think it's like the Philadelphia bar scene is like no, a specific? I'm sure, I'm sure it's everywhere. Yeah. But the people in Philadelphia are definitely mouthy. <laughs> and also like disrespectful. I mean, that's right, just yeah. the stuff that you were. Well, it's just, it's so totally objectifying and right. weird and just like reduces you to this one part of your body that you are losing. Like yes. it, it, which is very strange. It reaffirms what I think a lot of women are like it to me. It's like they're fixated on the breast. They're fixated on the sexualization of your breast right. and not caring about you as a full human being. Right. And, there's no greater example of like a time when there's disparity between the two. Like this right. is life and death for you. This is your yeah. life and your body. And just hearing that. Blah, blah, blah. Like it right. wouldn't be like if a guy got testicular cancer and was like, I only have, you know, one testicle or something. Yeah. It wouldn't be like, okay. And like on your testicle acceptance journey, <laughs> I'm going to be the queen and take you in my castle. It's like, okay, yeah, you're crazy. Like, we, they do stuff like that, and it's right. like, oh. And they think that they're, like, protecting you. Yes. Or when it's like, bitch, I am going through chemo right now. Right. Like, I don't need protection from you. I don't you. need protection. Like, and, in fact, like, handling grow this. up. Yeah. Grow up. Oh, God. <laughs> but you feel like it's less in L.A., this kind of bullshit? Uh, yeah. 
That's oh good. yeah, way less. Okay. I feel like people in LA are just more open overall, and I think I hang out with a different type of person That's and good. surround myself with a different type of person now. That's very good. Um, because it, it sometimes it takes you a while to recognize red flags, um, but once you do, oh yeah to avoid them it's good yeah and i saw like you've had some articles online and you talk about it um you know you've talked about your experience to the press and i was wondering like what sort of message you would want to send like are you is there something that you feel like through this experience is a it's a horrible way of saying it but like a message you want to get out there about your experience i would say mainly just the reality of the situation like when i put pictures of my chest tattoos online um it was a very vulnerable thing for me to do and a lot of the reaction was unfortunately sexual and i would get messages from european dads all the time (laughs) and they're always like i'd still hit it you know what i mean like thank you how'd they find you um, they would fi- like they would search me on Facebook, and oh. I would get like you know message requests on Facebook or on Instagram. Oh my god! <laughs> <Ugh>. Um, or <laughs> uh, one time, this like I thought it was a woman, but it turned out to be an eighth grade girl. Commented, um, "Is there any kind of language restriction?" No. On she said, uh, "Nobody wants to see this slut's tits," <laughs> and I like. Once I saw that she was in the eighth grade, I was like, oh, my Lord. <laughs> Nobody wants to see this. Like, these ideas tits. are already so ingrained in you. It's so Oh, my depressing. God. I know. That's so crazy. She's in eighth grade and she already is, Feels like, using language like that. That way. That's, yeah. Yeah. Or just people would even comment stuff like, no, thank you. Um, like, it's not about you. I just want to show, like, you know, like, a lot of people don't know that you lose your nipples. A lot of people don't know that you get chest tattoos you know people that are familiar with the community know but i feel like if we want to make people aware then let's make them actually aware right let's take away from this sort of attractive pink veneer and make it about what it really is about Um, what it really is and just having honest and frank discussions um i was messaging with a woman recently who's about to get a mastectomy and she was telling me that she feels so weird about being attached to her breasts Mm. because she feels like I forget how she phrased it, but kind of like vain or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, obviously, like, I felt the same way. It's a part of your body. You're going to be attached to it. So I think, like, having those conversations and letting people know, like, you're not the only one that feels this way. Right. It's not wrong to be processing things this way. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's, yeah, part of what feels important about every individual being able to tell their story. Because I do think it is, like, we talked about when you went to the doctor and they said, oh, everyone, you know, loves their breasts afterwards. Right. I just think the more people hear about different people's experiences with it, the less stigma there is about an individual reaction to it. I mean, right. so there's no right way or wrong way to handle it is what right. it sounds like. Yeah. You're saying. There's also like people want to put you on a pedestal when mm. you are diagnosed. They want you to be a hero. They want you to endure with grace. Yeah. And it, that's such bullshit. <laughs> like, I know. My mom was really resistant to anything that said warrior or like fighter or whatever, right. because there are also people that unfortunately do not survive or they right. have a type of cancer that isn't treatable. So that sort of 
equates them with like being a loser because they didn't fight it. It's right. not and about on that, that point. Like nobody knows anything about metastatic cancer. Nobody's talking about it. We're only right. talking about the people that survive and that like survive in a way that is palatable to the masses. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That have the story of like, I was brave and fought it and believed as if right. it's something you can will. I would always say like, I'm taking the medicine. Like, <laughs> what else am I supposed to do? You, you know? know, I got enough on my plate. Maybe yeah. today I don't need to be the warrior I'm taking the medicine and <laughs> yeah. I'm living my life. Yeah. yeah, that's really I think that's really interesting. And it that also just feels so individual. Right. Like if a woman feels like she wants to say I'm fighting and be part of that. Great. But if you don't, yeah. that's totally fine. Right. So, yeah, that's I think that's really good advice. Yeah. Do you have like other advice for someone who maybe is recently diagnosed or uh, breathe? <laughs> I would say breathe. Um, I would say if you're looking at things online, be really careful about the things that you're looking at, um, because a lot of it might be too much too soon. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of get this um, urge to figure out everything about it mm -hmm. um, and then. When a lot of that, I feel like, could maybe be better served with somebody kind of taking you through the process um, because it can get really scary really quick. Or you can read things like, oh, my boyfriend left me, you know, which also happened to me, but it's not a great mindset to be in right after you've done this. So I would say, like, yeah, I would say stick to sources that look good and that are going to make you feel good. And don't, I would say, like, as much as you can, you know, process your sadness and it is a grieving period, but know that. You're going to get through it um, and that it's it's a process. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> the online stuff that can be such a, like you said, wonderful source of community and right. finding people who can be great resources. But yeah, that I could imagine you're cause right. the, also the people who tend to post online, I think, tend to have the more compelling story to tell and right. you know or looking for community and like you know so it's not always representative of I everything. was blogging through it I had a tumblr called idkbreastcancer.tumblr.com <laughs> um, and it was just kind of me like trying to figure out things and talking about the weirdness of like going out in a wig and not looking sick right um, right when knowing internally that you are one time I was dancing with a guy at a bar and my wig fell off oh really so that was a fun thing to explain and then have a person just walk away from you wow um so like yeah remind like, me to never go to a Philly bar like every story <laughs> you've told me makes me think these are the dregs of humanity I mean uh, I love Philadelphia but uh, but it I did get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> for and, a reason. And God bless. Yeah. I'm glad you did. <laughs> Woof, as they say. Um, but yeah, so this has been this has been really amazing and interesting. And I hope that people go to the resources if they're interested in that you've mentioned. And it sounds like and not to be on the spot, but like you seem like a great also resource if anyone Reaches yeah, out, right? Yeah. Because yeah, I am always happy to talk with people. That's amazing. And where can people reach you? Um, I would say Twitter is probably the best option. Like, I if somebody tweets at me about it, usually I'll just follow back and DM. And what's your handle? So uh, it's at Nikki Black Cat. That's N I K K I B L A C K C A T. That's awesome. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram 
at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.